Welcome to Greenlight Pod number 31. I'm your host, Chris Long. Uh, we have a lot of fun news about my co-host weekend, uh, Making Gunner. Uh, also going to give you a little March Madness riffing. Uh, and a lot of NFL news. Yonder retired. We've got uh, the draft in Vegas in question now. Should be a jam-packed show. Greenlight Pod. I am your host, Chris Long. This is my co-host, Mr. Making Gunner. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Back in business. That's right. It's a long weekend. I felt it feels like we haven't been in the booth in a while. And there's a lot going on. There's a lot of NFL stuff going on today. Uh, this is where the offseason really picks up coming up here soon. So uh, we'll get to that. We'll talk about March Madness. Uh, best time of the year, yeah? Yes. Yes, best sporting event. Ever. Ever. And it happens every year. We're lucky like that. We are really lucky with March Madness. I never know how to feel about it because of the whole amateurism thing. Uh, I am complicit. Uh, I lay bets. I watch it all. And there's really nothing I can do about the amateurism part. Um, Good luck. Yeah. But I love March Madness. It's my favorite favorite sporting event in the year. I'm a volume guy. That's why I like wild card weekend. That's why I like, you know, divisional weekend over championship weekend, that whole that whole deal. I think that uh the even for as great as March Madness is, the final four is my least favorite part of it. I'd agree. It's wild to think that after <clears throat> this first weekend, this flurry, you're already in the sweet sixteen. And elite yeah, eight. It's a little bit um it's a little bit scary. And we'll we have do a bracket on Sunday. We got a bracket on Sunday, and we got a um, we're gonna have a punishment worked out for uh, the bottom dweller in our uh, local bracket here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay, but we haven't figured that punishment out yet. Specifically, we uh, we talked about it on the last pod. We'll get to that by the end of the week. Show number thirty-one, pod number thirty-one. Uh, as you know, we like to recognize our favorite uh, players with the corresponding, corresponding jersey numbers. Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Born on June 20th, 1985, he stands seven feet tall. His name is Darko Milicic. Ooh. You can see him here. Yeah. Sporting his Matt Conrath hair. <laughs> after he gets drafted by the Pistons, puts the 3XL, maybe 6XL jersey over the suit. Um... Let's dive right in, Chris. Uh, Darko averaged 1.4, 1.8, and 1.5 points per game in his first three seasons. He retired in the year... What was his plus-minus, though? 2013. He retired with career averages of 6 points and 4.2 rebounds per game. In September 2014, it was revealed that Milicic had retired from professional basketball in order to pursue a kickboxing career. <laughs> Scroll down on your wikipedia.com to kickboxing career. Whoa. 
Milicic had a stint in kickboxing during 2014. <laughs> on December 18th, 2014, he had his official first debut in kickboxing under the WAKO rules in his hometown of Navi Sad. Certainly mispronounced that. He lost that fight by second round knockout from Serbian kickboxer Radovan Radochin from Sinta, Serbia. It's such a Serbian name. Milicic now works as a farmer in his native Serbia. As of August 2017, he owned and operated an apple orchard of about 125 acres with plans to purchase more land and grow cherries. Yo, dude. Darko, man. They need to make a movie on Darko. Yes. And the, I mean, not to be confused with Donnie Darko, this is the real Darko. This is the real Darko. Darko married Zorana Marcus in 2009. She is a fashion designer and the sister of the deceased Serbian criminal, Marko Marcus. Now, there's a, probably a lot of other things that Marko did that you didn't need to lead with criminal. Hey. What wait, kind of crimes did he... I don't know. I haven't, this, this is just straight Wikipedia. But this is a, a rabbit hole that I could spend some time in. Wow, this Darko rabbit hole is something else. Darko Milicic acts like a drunken fool, sings karaoke shirtless. And YouTube.com, I think we have a picture of uh, Darko drinking just oh, the hair. <laughs> dude. Oh. Let me take you back to the 2003 NBA draft. Number one pick, LeBron James. Oh, boy. Number two, Darko Milicic. Number three, Carmelo Anthony. Number four, Chris Bosh. Number five, Dwayne Wade. Pretty stacked draft. Yeah. Except for our guy. Sucks to be that guy because I feel like in NBA drafts, there's always like a high percentage of guys that don't pan out. For sure. Even in the top 10, guys that have, you know... Michael even, Sweetney was nine, for instance. Yeah, but that year, there was just nowhere to hide. Right. Okay, so... Another, um, another overall number two to uh, join I, your ranks. Yep, join my ranks. Uh, I have not retired to become a cherry farmer or a kickboxer, but I am going to do jujitsu soon, so... And I can see the cherry <clears throat> farming in your future. Yeah, you could. Uh, I used to want to do alpa alpaca farming. Mm. That, mm -hmm. That's a real thing. That I really, about five years ago, thought that's what I'm doing when I retired. Never thought I was going to do podcasting. Wanted to be an alpa alpaca farmer. They're really... The wool is just luxurious. Yeah. 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 And you don't have to kill. You don't have to kill them. I don't like killing animals. Yeah. Um, you just shear them and uh, make a boatload of money. I don't know what's taking me so long. Probably after this podcast goes under, that's where you'll <laughs> find me. Um, Darko's made a bit of a basketball comeback this year. He plays for something called KK. I came to play. <laughs> what? Which is a men's amateur basketball club in Serbia. Yo, Darko got kind of big in this drinking picture. They are currently competing in the fourth tier, second regional league, North Division. <laughs> well. And I hope they're running the show with Darko. They gotta the be. The Who post. are these comrades tattooed on his rib cage? Oh, I can answer that, but okay. it might take me a little while. Um, oh, tattoos of World War II leaders. Uh, that's... That that's kind of scary because there was only two kind of people in World War II, good and evil. And uh, Eastern Bloc, not so sure. We'll let the friends of the pod go to the yeah. wiki page too. Yeah, figure out if you can who, uh, who Darko has tattooed on his ribcage. He got a couple on his back as well. Very Eastern Bloc tattoos. Like if you see him in a bathhouse, if you've seen Eastern Promises, you know how it goes. I haven't. Well, well but I've seen that's, a, that's a scene you want to avoid. 
I mean, it's essentially <laughs> it's naked dudes fighting to the death in a in a bathhouse, and I believe it was in Russia. I haven't seen the movie in a while. Um, Eastern Promises, though, good movie from what I remember. It's funny because you picked an international NBA star, and I did too. Wow! Any guesses? Um, Regisimo Miller. No, 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 no. Uh, now, as as I look at Darko, I mean, he could kick you from another area code. How does he not beat everybody up? It's kickboxing, not wrestling, right? He had one you bout, can... got knocked out, and peace. he had one bout. Yeah. Yep. Jesus. In 06, 07, he averaged eight points with the Magic. That was a good year. He was with your New York Knicks for a stint. One year, played eight games. Well, uh, highly forgettable. I actually uh, picked the guy that got drafted by the Knicks as well um, at number seven. And I, th- I, I think this was maybe the, uh, the, O2, the O2 draft. Yeah, at seven by the Knicks and dealt to the Nuggets. Any guesses at this point? Am I heating up here? No. May Biner oh. Rodney Hilario, a.k.a. Nene. Nene. Nice. Yeah, number 31 for the Denver Nuggets. Played there about a decade. The coolest fucking... And by the way, that's, that's Nene with no dreads, uh, fresh out of Brazil. He changed his name to... He shed the majority of his name. In fact, his entire name to do the one name Brazilian soccer star thing where they just, right. I just have one name, which I think is so cool. I mean, it just, that's a custom I would like to bring to the, um, to the NFL, to America. What would be your name? La Flama Blanca. Mm. Yeah. Although that's word? multiple. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, there, it, 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 it harkens back to the XFL days of he hate me, Rod Smart. Yeah. Um, what would your name be if you could have one name? Macon. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's not gonna that's not gonna make the league any money. I got to think about that. But his name, Nene, interestingly, uh, translates to baby. Huh. It's like what? Six foot eleven, two fifty. Uh, played ten years in Denver. Played for the Wizards. Plays for the Rockets still. Plays for the Rockets. Currently plays for the Rockets, unless something's happened. I didn't go on too deep a dive uh, and watch any 2020 Nene highlights, but I'll tell you what you get a lot with him. And again, drafted by the Knicks, ended up with the, the Nuggets. Uh, and back in his Nuggets days, he used, to, he used to tussle a lot. And if you go on YouTube.com, you can find a lot of, he's a big like arm bar rebound guy, like a frustrated big man putting other cats in an arm bar and gotten a, a little tussle with uh, our own Justin Anderson. Hmm. Yeah, uh, didn't escalate, but the Jimmy Butler um, altercation was a little bit more serious. There was a bit of a headbutt. Uh, they were forehead to forehead, had to be separated. I got to say, and I watched him for years, when you know a guy's Brazilian, you think he might know Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so Second I just reference. generally don't think you fuck with that guy. And... I'd have to talk to an NBA player because a lot of times players get reps and the, the reps outwardly don't match the, the fraternity rep, which would be like, hey, we know about this guy in the NFL. Everybody thinks he's tough. He's actually not that tough. I, I suspect that Nene's pretty tough. He used to get after Perkins. Um, 
he's he he had an ACL. He beat testicular cancer. Uh, he had a lot of bad luck. Grew up in a house, uh, six people living in a two bedroom cinder block house, tin roof, in Sao Carlos, Brazil, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and they moved his family downtown when he got drafted because in Brazil you have to worry about kidnappings and ransom and shit. Yeah, it's a real thing. Um, grew up playing basketball by, by parking two Jeeps 95 feet apart and putting little baskets on them with uh, wires and fishing net for rims or and, 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 uh, and nets. So I guess that begs the question, why even go through the trouble of, of uh, mocking up a net? Right. Yeah. Although, if you go shoot hoop and yeah. there's no net on the rim. How do you know from distance if it, if it dropped? Right. It just it feels better with the it net. It does feel better with the net. And I'm praising the ingenuity that Cats had in Sao Carlos, Brazil. I mean, the Jeeps was enough for me. I mean, when I read that they were pulling two Jeeps up 95 feet apart, I mean, once you do that, the NBA is easy. Uh, now, he had a lot of injuries, uh, but... He was really, really good early on. The wheels kind of fell off, and he's just been a really solid player since in the, in the NBA. Uh, again, used to get after Kendrick Perkins. You can see the Jimmy Butler uh, little scuffle online. You had Justin Anderson, and the guy knows Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but uh, Kenyon Martin claims he, he uh, broke his orbital in a fight. Mm. But that's only corroborated by Kenyon Martin. It's a really stinky draft. Was it a stinky draft? draft? Yeah. Yao, Amare, and Karam Butler are the names you're going to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Skidishvili, Dewan Wagner. Dewan Wagner. Chris Wilcox, Jared Jeffries, Melvin Eli. Chris Wilcox, Maryland. Correct. Dewan Wagner. I mean, you know the names. They just Where didn't was Dewan Wagner? Memphis. Memphis, that was it. Marcus Hayslip, Fred Jones. Yeah, no. Botshan Nakbar, Yuri Welsh. <laughs> Curtis Borker. Who is Bashan Nakbar? Bashan Nakbar. Um, Glad you asked. From Slovenia and went to the Rockets. Is he in a kickboxing league now? I'm probably so. <laughs> Shit. Kintel Woods, Kareem Rush, Casey Jacobson. You know who you don't fuck with in the NBA? That's David West. That's right. David West really does like martial arts. Really does martial arts. Yeah. Like, from what I hear, people in the NBA are afraid of David West. Anyways. That's my 31. Nene, I was really two rabbit hole picks today. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that uh, Milicic. Look, I had to have a little come to Jesus conversation with myself yeah. about whether or not I liked Reggie Miller. Yeah. And I still don't know if I have a definitive answer. I think I like. Listen, I'm a Knicks fan. I couldn't do it because of that whole history, but. Celtics too, right? Yeah, Celtics as well. Uh, this year, just this year, uh, lost a bet. So Reggie to me is likable. The, the, the verdict came back, you know, jury was out for two decades for me. And one day it just hit me listening to him do games. He's really just a really good guy. I think likable chill dude. Now there was the, the whole choke thing, right? There was the whole tormenting my Knicks thing. Um, he he mimicked a choke. He didn't, yeah, didn't choke. Anybody. Yeah, he just mimicked. The, he just scored about he did, twenty points. And he four didn't. He, he didn't spree well. Somebody. Right. Right. And by the way, there might be another PJ Carlissimo mention in this pod today. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Something came up. 
talking about uh, the NCAA tournament. Um, my finalist? Yeah. My other finalist who yeah. lost out to Darko? Priest Holmes. Just oh, yeah. kind of because his name is Priest Holmes. Yeah, that's a good one. Great name. Yeah, yeah, that's a great name. Uh, I, I, Al Harris was on my list. Two teammates of mine, Al Harris, uh, most famously picking off Matt Hasselbeck. We want the ball and we're going to score. Right. That's a remember where you were when that happened uh, kind of moment in the NFL. That's a, a iconic playoff memory. Uh, and then Cortland Finnegan. Mm. But I don't want to make this teammate show and tell. Right. So uh, I left those guys off. Let's talk about the weekend. Me and my lovely wife, uh, Meg, had a, had a wonderful weekend. What'd you do? Um, <laughs> let's see. Here's the deal. Yeah. I no longer have a lovely girlfriend, Kate. Damn. You want to break it to us what happened? Um, I now have a lovely wife, Kate. Wow. As you can see here on, Hold on. on, on YouTube. Hold on. Dot com. I'll stall while you do whatever you're doing. Greg Maddox, another 31. Um, John Lester, a 31. Okay, okay. Um, not interested in that. More interested in what you just said. I did go to a wedding this weekend. Yeah, it was mine. Yep, it was. And I was looking for an applause soundboard, but it's taking too long. Stephanie Dolson, another 31. Thank you. Thank you. Way to get married, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Is uh, your wedding day, is that day zero or day one? So it's funny you guys, because I texted you how was day one. Oh, and the that next was the morning. day after. Okay. I think day one is is the next day. Okay, so I'm now on day two. Yeah, yeah. And it's going great. I'm a very lucky man in many different ways. Yeah. Um, um, mostly one, and that's being married to your one, lovely wife, Kate. And that's being married to my lovely wife, Kate. Mm -hmm. uh, but also to be... Um, tall. Tall. Tall, being tall is good. Living in this uh, humble, world-class city of Charlottesville. Podcaster. Cool, too. Um, and, and you were there, meant the world. Yeah. You said a, you said a toast. It was great. You mostly talked about Kate. Well, it was really kind of a, it name. was kind of a toast to Kate. Yeah. You know, I was uh, waiting for the second half. I was like, this is going to be good. You know, and that's, then, that's one thing to, to talk about when you toast, uh, at a wedding. I never want to be like, I'm just going to blow my friend here for five minutes. Well, you know, it's appreciate you're not doing that. Well, I didn't really have a lot of material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I mean what I said, you know, um, it's very charitable of Kate to marry you. And yeah. I think it's, uh, I think, I think it's wonderful. That's for sure. Yeah. It, I, I, we, I was like kind of confusing. You did a, you did a small thing. Very small for those in my life who, uh, are hearing this news for the first time, please don't feel bad. You, uh, there are many out there. There's we only 300 people at this wedding. An intimate affair, um, probably about 10 folks, 10, yeah, 15 it was, folks. Yeah, legitimately about 10, 15 folks. And um, maybe we'll do a, a, a well, we kind of turned it into a proper celebration. But Well, we can party. No, we, 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 we got drunk in a room full of 10 people. You can always get drunk in a room full, full of 300 people. Yeah, Bad Back Back, he did a, did a headstand. Did a headstand. Uh, he, he, I did not know that Bad Back Back, you could walk on his hands. Yeah. Um, it was a lovely evening. Now, I guess the question, the big question that arose here, uh, during this wedding was, um, I didn't know that if you clink your glass, you had to like kiss the bride. Yeah. Is that like a, a thing? I had never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, Paquette made that up on the spot, but, um, hey, I'll take any excuse to kiss my lovely wife, Kate. So, <laughs> so... 
You're loving saying that. Let me ask you the do's and don'ts of toast. Okay. Before you get going, yeah. I think the thing I'm best at in my life is uh, toasting. And yet I knew I wasn't going to be, um, Kate said, hey, you got to start off the toast tonight, basically. I got very little notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I like to, to uh, what do you call when you uh, memorize something? Yeah, memorizing it. Okay, I like to memorize it, but I had to pull it out on a, write it down, pull it out, piece of paper. Yeah, you um, never looked up once. No, I did. I did. I did multiple times because I hit eyes with people. Not, Maybe three. No, I, I look. I know it wasn't my best effort. I really <laughs> um, listen. Can, can you t- can you share the contents of the of the sh- toast? Sure. I uh, I started out with a quote from uh, Elwood Blues of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, it wasn't just a quote. That was like half your toast was just Elwood wrote your toast. Yeah, and I knew it was going to fall flat like it did in the Palace Hotel Ballroom. Um, but that was sort of the point. It was a thing for me. I gave Kate two seconds heads up. I said, Hey, I'm going to do something <laughs> weird. You're not going to like it. It's not going to be funny. Nobody's going to be, nobody's going to laugh, but I'm going to enjoy no, it. No, some people laughed. Some, some people laughed. You planted laughter. I did. For the record. I did. You said, uh, I said, you get your toast ready or something came up and you said something to the effect of, do you like Blues Brothers? It's almost a... It's not a rhetorical question. It's just rhetorical in the expectation coming from you because you love the movie. Yes. And I said, no, it's a total non-starter. Yes. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember very much of that movie at all. I haven't seen it since the 90s, start to finish. And I know that's like one of those things that if you say you haven't seen the Blues Brothers and you're in your 30s, it's fucking weird. Maybe. But yeah. that goes into the conversation we had a few pods ago about all the sitcoms I didn't watch growing up. The, you know, what was it? Home Improvement, Saved by, the Bell. Saved by the Bell, that sort of thing. Blues Brothers. So you, so you read back, me. Back to me. Yeah, you, you, read, you, you, read, you read the toast. I thank the members of the Illinois law enforcement community for joining us that evening. And there were none. That was, that was sort of the joke. And had I not laughed, I don't think there was going to be a single laugh. And that would have been okay. You planted a laugh, and I, and I busted my ass to make that toast work. Thank you. Um, well, the back I, half is touching. Yeah. Well, that, that part was from the heart. People in tears. Yeah, I didn't see it, that. The toast had everything. People were laughing. I think it was crying. one of those, like, your face hurts from smiling at the toast. Like, <sighs> is he going to get to it? Is this all a Blues Brothers thing? <laughs> I can't believe he's fucking doing this. I actually had to go. I didn't just laugh. I did, I, I did extra, extra credit here. I go, ha <laughs> Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure everybody knew, Meanwhile, because you need some steering. I don't think it made a shit. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I was so locked into. Yeah, my piece you're of locked paper. in. I was a little nervous yeah. uh, and such. Normally, I'm not though. You at, did a nice job. Toast. I think it was, uh, it was endearing that you know somebody who is as, I don't know what the word would be, but good speaking in public, uh, loquacious. Sure. Is that a good word for yeah. that? Yeah, you're so loquacious. Yes, that you're up there and you're reading off a paper. You're making very little eye contact. I know you locked a few eyes. It was almost endearing. You were nervous. You, you did. You, you had your little toast written down. I was also talking about my parents and thought I was going to cry and didn't want to do that. And you did a good job. And so I was just really trying to power through to get to uh, better toasts. Good, we- good wedding. One from 
my friend who failed to mention <laughs> who failed me. to mention i did i said you were honest you did yes thanks for the record and that's not a quality that a lot of people share um now preceding the wedding was your bachelor party you <laughs> piece of shit here's the thing about a bachelor party i'm just gonna i want to lay this thing out here for guys that are north of 30. If you're getting married, I don't care if you don't want to go anywhere. I don't care if there's a coronavirus. I don't care if you're broke. Like, you got to throw a bachelor party. It's for the other guys. It's for the other 30-plus-year-old guys. We don't just get trips anymore. You know the thing about trips in your 20s? Like, they just, they fall by the wayside. As soon as you get married, you think, you know, you, you take that first year, you take a couple trips, and then it turns into like 15% less. And then, you know, eventually the trips go away completely, and you rely completely on things like bachelor parties and weddings. And so for you to forego your bachelor party traditionally was a, was a little bit selfish, I thought. You know what I hate? What? Bachelor parties. Why do you hate bachelor parties? Because um, I got one night in me, uh, max these days. Yeah, over thirty. I can't go back to back anymore. Yeah, but we wouldn't have had to go back to back. We could have, we could have gone to Vegas and did like, hey, the first night we, uh, we get drunk. Second night we 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 get kind of drunk and watch a show. I've done a Vegas bachelor. Shout out Benny Boy. It was lovely, but one is enough. So, we're trying to get your boy here to do a bachelor party. And I said unselfishly for the for the rest of the group. What we were left with was an option where we could, we could have within three weeks thrown together a midweek car travel bachelor party uh, with a group of five, six guys. Or we had to take him to lunch. That's what we ended up doing. Taking Macon to lunch. And where do we take you to lunch? Mickey Tavern. Mickey Tavern is a really old tavern in Charlottesville, Virginia. It has a gift shop. It has a restaurant. By the way, best fried chicken in Charlottesville. It was very good. Never actually eaten there. It's down the hill from Monticello, which I've never been to. That's strange. Lived in Charlottesville since I was eight years old. 26 years. Never been to Monticello. Hadn't been to M- Mitchie Tavern. Con. Mickey Tavern. Yeah. I Established in 1784. It's a long time ago. Anyways, pretty sure it's haunted. Super old. <laughs> very colonial. And the joke, that the running joke uh, among cats here in Seaville is that Macon is high key colonial looking just that he could you could put him in a time machine put him back in colonial times and he would thrive the build the outfits these are adjusted for 2020 but this is essentially a colonial garb just adjusted for 2020 I think I would have thrived you would have thrived times. wooden teeth white wig you know yeah all that other shit so I walk in. I don't know we're going to Mickey Tavern until an hour before you say, hey, show up at Mickey Tavern. Yeah. And I walk in. They say, you're meeting some people. I say, yeah. Yeah. And I uh, walked in and didn't see you guys. Well, you didn't see us because we were dressed like colonials. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these fuckers, okay? So there's uh, there's Tommy Paquette. There's Bad Backpacky. He, he looks like he, he must be from another regiment. Um <laughs> Me and, and Matt Conrath there, uh, we've got the traditional garb on. We're drinking from copper cups. We got a little 
midday drunk at uh mickey tavern speak for yourself i did not you didn't i did um uh, come on so the way this works you have to get drunk to put on an outfit like this and by the way they were relatively comfortable i i don't want to say that people back in colonial times were comfortable because the real deal holyfield colonial garb seems a lot it seemed a lot hotter it was like wool right this stuff was pretty breathable there we are again Right. With, with the, the groom. And there's no such FOMO as costume FOMO. While I was honored by this effort and expense, I really wanted to have my own. $333 as a group, by the way. 75% off. We got really lucky. Yeah. They were really trying like to push this colonial bucks. garb out the door. Yeah. When they first were like, the grand total is $1,100. I was about to just call the whole operation <laughs> off. They were like, but it's on sale for 75% off. And I was still a little bit bothered by that but so what you do is you go up to this gift shop right and mickey tavern is a tourist attraction but it's also a good restaurant and there's cool history in there okay uh and again it's a buffet they only serve southern fried chicken oh marinated baked chicken hickory smoked pork barbecue black eyed peas stewed tomatoes black eyed peas and buttermilk biscuits oh and it's delicious it was awesome so Here's the, the conundrum. As we planned this out, we thought it would be funny as shit. Something to do. Get faded midday. Do something for our boy. Get a good laugh. Get some good pictures in. But you forget the part of the equation. Um, you know, that, that Mickey Tavern is a public place. Right. And, you know, kids in Quicks buses pulling up left and right. We go into the gift shop around... Uh, what was it like noon? So it's about to be lunchtime and there's no buses in the, in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, we're good. We'll go in. We'll put the shit on. We try the, the, the stuff on, we pay. Then I realized we have to walk 200 yards to the actual restaurant there through the parking lot. And I'm like, God, I hope there's no people in this parking lot. So I walk out and I just hear kid noises like, you know when you hear a bunch of kids field trip field Mickey. trip just a field trip soundtrack out the door and i'm like oh, deep breath because kids intimidate me they're not that fucking cool but they think they are and when you think you're cool it can be pretty intimidating well right they have confidence they have that confidence that they should not have right um i walk out the door we all four of us dress like paul revere walk out the door <laughs> and by the way matt conrad's six seven there's no hiding <laughs> I'm 6'4", 250. Tom Paquette's 6'4", 270. Bad back back, he's small, but he's wearing a royal blue fucking, I don't know what. Looks like George Washington. He looks like George Washington, like George Washington's little brother. Um, and we're making our way through this crowd of judgmental middle schoolers. And we're like, okay, they don't see us. Then it, then it dawns on me that maybe they think we work at Mickey Tavern. Right. They definitely thought we worked at Mickey Tavern as some sort of reenactors. And then we're just about out of the crowd and some kid's like, hey! <laughs> and I turn around and he goes, pussy, 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 pussy. And I'm like, fuck you, kid. Like, you know what? I would have probably said the same thing, but <laughs> I had no comeback. 
All I did was like I was just like petrified. I just kept walking because it's a no-win situation for me to go back and forth with this kid. It's a no-win situation. And if I walk back over there and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to snitch on the kid and find his teacher, and I don't want to come over there and be like, you see that? That's my fucking Range Rover. After I leave Mickey Tavern, I'll be getting in this fucking Range Rover, and you'll be getting back on that bus because then I'm an asshole. So you got no recourse but to ignore the the 13-year-old kid. So to be clear, you did not say F you. I said nothing. Okay. I laughed it off. <laughs> I mean, the kid's just mouthing it at me. I'm backpedaling in my colonial outfit. And the kid's just... I, I, I've never felt so... I guess how I was... Old, how old is this kid? About 13. Okay. Uh, so we walk up the hill to the, uh, to the restaurant. We sit down. It's full of people, some tourists, some locals, because it is a good local spot as well. So we sit down to uh, enjoy our fried chicken and whatnot. And Tom Paquette is really, he's supposed to be a blacksmith or something because they were out of like colonial regiment outfits. He's got some like blacksmith garb on. And he's like a fucking colonial method actor. <laughs> yes. I mean, this dude is, he's into the character to the point where if you know me, there's nothing I hate more than being embarrassed at a restaurant, like attention being drawn to me, loud talkers, people rude to servers, etc. Tom was not rude to anybody, but he was very colonial the entire time. I mean, it would get quiet. And by the way, people in the restaurant, again, I think they thought that we were working for Mickey Tavern, including you, who damn near walked by us. Yes. So as you're sitting down, as you're sitting down, uh, I go, guys, do not break character. We got to be really fucking colonial in here as, for as long as we can. So Macon sits down and Kevin would, Kevin's got a really strong Southside Chicago accent. I mean, it's, it sounds, it's off-putting. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You love record. it. It can be off-putting. I don't want to say that, Kev. I know you listen to the pod. It's not off-putting. It's, it's funny. Um, and Macon sits down and everybody's dead serious, like, kind of clearing their throat like you know like we're sad, saddling up to the bar in colonial times ale house and five seconds in kev <laughs> trying to sound as colonial as he can how's your journey hey how was the journey how was the journey i'm like bro <laughs> did you ride your horse past comiskey to get here like you sound ridiculous you don't sound colonial at all you just sound like a drunk guy in the middle of the day <laughs> from Chicago. And then we get over that, and I got Tom, who's still in method actor mode. He's banging his copper cup going, this ale is warm. <laughs> I'm like, you sound medieval, bro. Colonial people didn't really like you. You're a Viking. No matter what you try to do, whatever period piece, you're, you, you, you lean Viking. I want to pound some steel. <laughs> I'm like, all right, bro, joke's over. Like, let's just try to draw as little attention to us as we can. In fact, when we went up to pay at the register, Tom walks up to this woman. You're not at medieval uh, times where the entire thing is a medieval experience and they don't break character. Like the woman at the, the register, she may be dressed a little bit colonial, but, you know, she, she listens to Migos on the way into work. Okay, she's she's not in on your somebody calling you. Hey, Kate. Oh, that's your lovely Hi. wife, Kate. Say hello to the people. Hello, people. We're talking about you. I'll call you later. 
Okay. Bye. Bye. You don't say I love you after you guys hang out? Love you. No, you already hit end. I always say to my lovely wife that I love her. That's How? the one thing about marriage and just relationships in general. You should always tell people that you love them. Love you, Kate. Um, register. Tom. Tom's up at the register. And again, like this woman is not, it's not medieval times. It's, it's hey, she clocks in at nine o'clock. And after five, she's not interested in colonial times anymore. Tom brings up the receipt and smacks it on the table and goes, I've got 25 chickens and two barrels of apples. <laughs> like the woman was going to understand the joke. And, and she, she said, she just awkwardly was like, okay, <laughs> that'll be $14. <laughs> and I'm like, God bless these people, man. They had no idea what they were getting into. Uh, I was really happy that most people, nobody recognized me as a football player, which mm -hmm. was nice. So none of this is following me. Of course, then I, I go and volunteer the information on the pod. So, And hey, I was way more touched by that 45-minute lunch than I would have been by a, no, than I would have been by a trip to Vegas. Okay, good. Just FYI. The look on your face though, when you sat down and realized you didn't have a costume. Well, I was sort of waiting for it to, to come out like, hey, no, it was here's $300, yours. man. Yeah. Um, and we've got one final piece of this story. Oh, what is it? Uh, we met some folks in the pub area. Oh, yeah, this was bad. This is not one of my prouder moments. And I meant nothing by this. And uh, they asked, what exactly about the costumes? Well, they were like, the costumes are so cool. There's a middle-aged couple. They kept getting pictures with us, just thinking we were just so funny. Yeah. And uh, they said, where'd you get the costume? I go, in the gift shop. And they were like, you know, in the gift shop, we're not. No, well, uh, I, yeah, I go, in the gift shop, what do you, and they go, you didn't have it before? I go, no, what do you think we're, what are we like fucking mid or uh, Civil War reenactors or something? And, and the woman goes, we are. We are. <laughs> she was serious. And they are. We are. A nice couple. Civil War reenactors. Yo, Mickey Civil Tavern. War reenactors are awesome. I had nothing against it, but like, I have nothing against Civil War reenactments. Not, e not even if you're on the, the Confederate side because you're just reenacting it. I know you don't believe in that. You're just reenacting it for the sake of historical context. I'm not judging you. I don't care if you get your willies off, you know, cleaning a, a, a musket <laughs> or charging a... Fucking acting like you have gangrene, like a fake amputation. Do they do amputations at uh at Civil War reenactment? Like fake ones. They must. Like ketchup packets and ah. And how did you like drink this steer out of this one? Well, I didn't. I was like, oh man, that's so awesome. I've always wanted to meet a Civil War reenactor. I mean, can we come to some of your reenactments? Do you have a business card? Yeah. I actually asked the guy. If he had a business card, as if, as if Civil War reenactors have business cards. Right. They said no. Yeah, the guy was like, nah. <laughs> and I said, would you all like to come talk about Civil War reenactments on a sports podcast? And they looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah, and I just put my head down. <laughs> but they were really nice people. Uh, they were. I basically tried to, I was like, oh, do you guys, uh, you guys do like uh, Antietam? I tried to like mention the, the one battle. Bull Run? Uh, yeah. How about Bull Run? You know, Antietam was particularly bloody. Bloody. A lot know. of people died. Hundreds of thousands, I believe. 
Is that true? I don't know, man. About 160,000 people died in there's, Antietam. There's a lot of blood. About. Anyways, yeah. I meant no offense to Civil War reenactors. In fact, I really want to go be a, a part. 23,000 people. <laughs> About 160,000 people <laughs> died. About. Just it felt high. It felt high. If you were out there that day. Yeah. People were dropping like flies. Yep. Musket fire, shrapnel. Ah, I can hear it now. Hand-to-hand combat, bayonets. Scary. Um, so yeah, I, I I have the utmost respect for Civil War reenactors. Yeah, say it and a in few fact, more times. Maybe. If you're out, if you're out there listening and you're a Civil War reenactor, we'd love to have you on the pod. Yes, at at Chalk Network or Media. Yeah, DM us. But don't do the thing where you say you're a Civil War reenactor and you're full of shit and then prank call us. Right. And like halfway through, you're like, you make a dick joke and then laugh and hang up. Actually, that wouldn't be so bad either. You can do that if you like. You can do that if you like. Just commit yourself. Speaking of colonial stuff, um, for my music section today, uh, because I've I've run into a couple people that are like, hey, I really like your musical, Mm. you know, um, suggestions. I've been accumulating some new uh, tracks in my in my my library do you have anything new lately i'll mention that kate and i walked out of the ceremony to you can't hurry love and um that was well you can because it was kind of a quick wedding uh actually you don't you don't know how long it's been in the works been in the works for a little while Yeah, but the wedding itself i mean you didn't do the like you didn't do enough god stuff you really didn't didn't do enough God stuff. There was a priest there. Yeah, but he didn't. I mean, you could tell he was like, I would like to do more. Uh, was God uh, mentioned at your wedding? Mine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. Hmm. I should have missed that. Hey, mind your own wedding. <laughs> it was also very hot that day. There was no excuse for you. You guys were inside, air conditioning, early spring. Is it even spring yet? Not officially. We walked out to You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes because we've known each other for 23 years. Nice. Yeah. Playing the long game. That's right. That's what you've been doing this whole time. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And you did me- mention Michael Jordan. I did. That was off the cuff. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be taken behind for the, the basketball of that fans, uh, <laughs> I mentioned his. He said this is our our Michael Jordan year. Yeah. And there were some eye rolls by people who did not care a, to see. It was a tough crowd at my own <laughs> wedding. <laughs> this guy. So on the on the music thing. Um, I've been listening to classical music a lot lately. And by that, I mean the last 24 hours. Mm. You know, uh, I've discovered post-football while I've had to do more focused work, like including prepping for pods, reading, that sort of thing, that I legitimately can't focus with any background noise. Like an airport. If I have to read a book at an airport, couldn't do it. Could you do that? I find that difficult as well. I find it really difficult. Mm-hmm. Both my kids talking at the same time, it's overwhelming. Cross-talking, don't like that. Don't like music playing while I'm working because the music has words or classical music. I was reading about it, and, uh, and it is crushing my productivity. I've gotten more work done the last 24 hours than probably the entire uh, calendar year combined. Thanks, for, for thanks older to Handel. Folks, for the older folks... Uh... By crushing, he means uh, improving. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Scientists from Northwestern University have found out creative people can't cope with noise. Here I was thinking it was just ADHD. You know, classical music is noise. Yeah, you're right, but it's like classy noise. Yeah. I don't do that like, uh, I, do, I only do highfalutin noise. I think this take of classical music improving productivity was first levied in like the 14th century. Yeah, I know, but it's not a take you see a lot on sports radio or podcasts these days, so we're just okay. bringing it back up, dusting it off. Okay. But they call this leaky sensory gating. Look it up. It's uh, what I believe I have. I've diagnosed myself with having leaky sensory gating. What that means is that a person, uh, when they're focused on a, ca- on a task, they're unable to merely focus on the task itself. If there are other competing distractions, sounds like ADHD. Uh, additional sensory stimulation, like someone whistling or chewing gum or the constant stream of dialogue from people nearby having a combo, combo simply drives them mad or at least very unable to focus on their work. You know, Mozart once said, I wish I could flee Vienna in order to have some quiet for my work. Also a classical music guy. That's right. It all ties together. Um, he, uh, he, he found himself irritated by the, uh, by the street criers selling their wares, and it's unbearable. That's hmm. how he described it. I feel the same way about my kids sometimes. I'm trying to prep for a pod, so me and Mozart have that in common. And now I'm listening to him on Spotify. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, born January 27th, 1756 in Salzburg, Austria. Oh, yeah. Just a fact. Celebrated every day. Uh, every year. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> That'd be dumb as fuck to celebrate that every day. March the 11th. Thank God for Mozart I'll give you born. three albums today. Non-classical music. I'll, I'll do... I've been doing this Jerry Garcia thing where I've been following him down the rabbit hole. It's funny, I've always been, do you like the Grateful Dead? Sort of. Okay, and I think that's perfectly acceptable. I've, my entire life, I've kind of been led to believe that you can't like the dead without being a deadhead. Mm. And I have a couple Grateful Dead t-shirts. I'm somewhat of a public figure, so I wear them sometimes. They're comfortable, I like, I like some of their album art, you know? Um, I like Uncle John's band. Uncle John's band. Yeah, it's a song. Yeah, I'm not that. See, that's this is what happens when I talk to Grateful Dead people. Of you of, got, of whom you, you, I am not. Of whom you're not. One. And that just goes to show how how in deep shit I can get if I have a Grateful Dead sh- T-shirt on and I roll up on a real Deadhead. You have to have when you when you talk to a Deadhead, you have to have one live recording that you can reference. They're like, what's your favorite, you know? Um, uh, mine is always Dark Star, Bickershaw. That's just one song I like, and I repeat it every time somebody asks me what my favorite. Now, I do like a, a number of Grateful Dead songs, but I'm more into Jerry Garcia's side projects. That's what I'm discovering. Uh, check out the song Blues Encore uh, on him and Howard Wales' uh, album, Hooter Roll, in 1971. So Wales played the organ on some Grateful Dead albums. Uh, actually, it was just one, American Beauty, I think. Uh, and then this album uh, features a few mu- musicians who later played in, in Jerry Garcia's side projects. But Wales is like a keyboardist and like a session player. He also worked with James Brown. And from 70 to 72, him and Garcia and Wales played together a lot. Um, and it was like, uh, it's like a jazz kind of album. Um, and I dig it. 
So check it out. Uh, and, and honestly, what I'm finding, as I said before, is I'm not as into the Grateful Dead as I, as I am uh, Jerry's side projects. And I like the dead, but I'm not a deadhead. And I'm still going to wear the clothes. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, good. Also check out John Prine's Tree of Forgiveness. Hell yeah, John Prine. You like John Prine. Okay, yeah. so now here we go. Yeah. Took 31 episodes. Yeah. We both listen to the same something. Yeah. Yeah. When I Get to Heaven, that's one that's going to stick in your head. I guarantee you listen to that song, uh, which is kind of half an interlude, half a song, half an interlude, half a song. I got one of those, Lake Marie. Are you familiar with that? No. Nah. Is that, it John Prine? Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a wacky song. Well, this is a wacky song, but it's a song that's going to get stuck in your head. Also, if you like Chuck Berry, which I've been into the last two years of my life, uh, San Francisco Dues. This is an album that I've been playing a lot lately. It has my favorite Chuck Berry song on it, Oh, Louisiana, but he doesn't say it like Louisiana. It sounds way cooler. He calls it Louisiana. Uh, also Bound to Lose is really good. A lot of reverb on this album. It's different than some of his other stuff. I know he's like the father of rock and roll and some of the Chuck Berry purists might not like this album. It's funny, I was Googling to see if anybody else actually liked it and it doesn't seem like anybody else actually liked the album. I get the same look when I say I like San Francisco Dues uh, as when I say I love Hard Knows the Highway. That's like a Van Morrison album that everybody shits on, but it's actually very good. So that's my music roundup. We've got the best time of the year coming up, as we mentioned, March Madness. And this is somebody here who has a college basketball acumen that is rarely matched, mm. if ever exceeded. Mm. Dr. Making Gunner. This is when he gets the DR in front of his name. Come late February, early March, start studying, you start plugging things into your little equation. Can you tell the people what you do before March Madness that makes you so special and weird well what do you think it is <coughs> what do you think it's called scar right chris think it's scab it's scar. scar it's called an s curve yeah s curve and that's simply where you uh have the seed lines and you rank the teams yeah now this to be clear is the first year i've ever done it um had sure a, sure had a lot going on you know mls flying around yeah. wedding yeah. to prep for mm -hmm. and so to soothe my mind i've been coming up with the field of 68 and adjusting it every few days. Okay. One of the nerdiest, dorkiest things I've ever done, certainly ever admitted. Um, and yet... And you did this without telling your friends, so you know something's embarrassing and nerdy. But I don't think you should be embarrassed. I think it's actually brilliant, but you never mentioned it to me. No, and I did it with pen and paper. I'm like scratching things out. I'm moving teams along the S-curve, yeah. which you're now familiar with. And um, I don't know if you have any questions about my S-curve. I don't have the S-curve on me at the moment, but um, as always, this week, dubbed Champ Week by ESPN, mm -hmm. um, is when we have some bid stealers. It's the perfect appetizer, if you will, to the big dance when you got your, uh, your Texases and your Stanford sweating out these small conference tournaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are your kind of like uh, big time bubble teams. What's your favorite tournament? Ever? No, I mean like year to year conference tournament outside the ACC. Oh, huh. I've never been asked this question. That's why this show is uh, so highly. I actually, I, 
I mean, I really do like these small conference tournaments, but I might say Big Ten just because it's the last one before the uh, the big reveal. Mm-hmm. It's the one that sticks in my head yeah, yeah. the most. Do you have one? I don't Perfect. at all. That's you used awesome. to love the Big East. Great. You used to love the Big East, Tony. Yep, different now. Yeah. You're a big Ohio Valley conference guy, <clears throat> too. Not really a big Ohio Va- Valley guy. I I was really excited to see basketball at the Enterprise Center yesterday, or I guess it was two days ago I turned on TV. Arch Madness. Arch Madness is what they call it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Valpo fell mm. uh, to, I think it was Bradley. Um, at, at the time of taping, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams have punched their tickets, including Bradley. Right. Um, hate to do it. Give me their uh, nicknames. Belmont. Bears. Bruins. Bradley. This is a weird one. Kind of on a time thing here. Bradley. Cooper. Braves. East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State. Uh, let's go with the um, Smoky Mountains. Buccaneers. Liberty. Flames. One. Utah State. Aggies. Two. Winthrop. Ooh, Winthrop. They're like a bird or something, are they not? They are. Okay. Can you give me a hint on the uh, the kind you, of bird? You played for them. Oh, the Eagles. Three. Yale. The Bulldogs. Four out of seven. Not bad. Yeah, and I was damn close on one. Yeah, I feel like you Bruins almost should have given me. Yeah, that 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 would have been cool. Okay, four and a half. So on your sigmoid curve, because <laughs> that's what it's called. Um, what do you think? Something that's going to shock people this year. What's your hottest take on this this tournament? Is there a team that you see as unfit for the tourney that people would would disagree on, or uh, vice versa? Indiana, I don't think has done enough. Okay. Now this is pre conference tournament, of course. Um, but I think they're, uh, I think they're in at the moment. Most would say, I don't have the Hoosiers in, um, Richmond is on that bubble. I think Richmond should be in. You think Richmond's had a good year. Okay. Um, but that's always fun. Um, I can give you a full recap after we see the actual bracket. We'll see how I did. Who are the one seeds? Uh, the one seeds are Kansas, still Baylor, despite its loss, Gonzaga, and Dayton, San Diego State falls to the two line. Uh, actually, I had San Diego State on the two line before they lost. Oh, you didn't even need them to lose the Aggies. Correct. So, so who's the first one? And without you know, just blind here, who's the first one seed to go down? It's a difficult one. Yeah, trading difficult questions. Um, I hate to say it. Really pains me to say it. Dayton? Because they are good, and Obi Toppin's really oh, good. Oh, so fun to watch. But I'll say Dayton. Is there a player that's, that's created more buzz besides Zion in the past 10 years going in? Ali Farouk Manesh, maybe? That's a, that's a bit of a joke for you hoop heads out there. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah. He made his name in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Going into the tourney, yeah. I mean, and I don't, I don't think Obi's on the Zion level, as I say. Zion for you. He's going to be a pretty fucking good pro. Oh, you can just yeah. tell. Heck you yeah. can just tell. Yep. You can just tell. Um, so yeah, your method uh, as you evaluate the, the tournament, and that's what we call it. We don't call it. It's tournament. Yeah, it's not tournament. 
Now, your lovely wife, Mag. She likes to she say tournament to... because she's one of those Jersey people. And I, you know I love, those are my people now. Okay, they weren't my people when, when I met, uh, you know, old Megan O'Malley mm. back in the day. Um, I, I used to, you know, my mom's from Red Bank. I had enough Jersey, you know, like I was lukewarm on Jersey. Now, you know, Philly, Greater Philly, Delco, Jersey, all these tournament sayers, you know, they, I have a soft spot in my heart for them after those two years in Philly. When they shorten it to tourney, do they say tourney? Yeah, I think they do, which is just, just bizarre. Wow. And you know, what they do is they hit you with a litany of, of um, terms that start with T-O-U-R and say, well, how do you say that? How do you say that? Right. Tour, for instance. Yeah. Got it. Yep. That's cool. Different I didn't words. know that we're just doing, you know, phonetic matching on everything. Right. And, and I could have some fun with that. Mm -hmm. uh, no. You, again, tournament, you sound like a fucking colonial. Well, yeah. that's offensive to me. You sound like somebody that probably, and I said this the other day, that probably hated Paul Revere. Huh. Mm-hmm. I would have said tournament back in those yeah, days. Yeah, no, I know. It's T-U-R-N-A-mint, like what you put in your mouth. And if, if you're Coach John Thompson, it's more like NC2A tournament. Yeah, it's a tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not into that either. Uh, but John Thompson can say whatever the fuck he wants. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we got that squared away. Uh, what do you think about the Ivy League on a serious note canceling the conference tournament? Or tournament. Um, now, is this a basketball question or a pandemic question? Pandemic. Um, well, the the Ivy League tournament is very new. Yeah. In itself, they used to just crown the the champ was the regular season champ. How many years now? Not many. I'll Google dot com it. But so not do you, many. So do you think that it's it's unfair to a couple of those teams that might be vying for bids and feel like they they've got a shot at at running the table there? I mean, you've got to feel pretty. I Fucking, will say, you got to feel like the rug is swept out from under you. Sure. Sure. I think I say sure. And yet this conversation just made me say sure. Right. Wow. Uh, sure. I guess it's a bit unfair, but I do like crowning the champ in the regular season. Yeah. That's the bigger sample size. These, these tourneys are great. Um, but uh, the, the, the I, tourneys are magic, bro. That's where you get your weird teams. Get your weird hot teams. Like, for instance, and I, there's zero chance I want UNC to win the AC tournament. But if, if they were in another conference, I think they're good enough to be in the field of 64 at this point in their season. They're, they're a 17 team, lost team. Okay. And I have them tonight minus four against Tech. So that's basically the kiss of death the way this weekend went for them. But it's lovely, lovely that Tech and Carolina are playing on Tuesday of the oh, ACC tournament. Isn't it beautiful? Ah, it's dynamite. And I'd love to see UNC smack them. Yeah. Yep. Just. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So favorite moments. I went back through, and we were kind of talking on the phone last night. We we're like, I want to talk about the uh, the NCAA tournament. And it's funny because there's such volume, and that's why you love it. But there's a ton of stuff that is remarkable that you're going to forget over the years because there's 15 better moments. Um, and I was going through moments and shots. Did you go through any of this stuff? You try to rack your brain, some of your favorite moments and shots? I have them in my, in my head pictures. Nice. Yeah. You want to start? Sure. 95, 
Tyus Edney going coast to coast. Love that. For UCLA to beat Mizzou in round number two. UCLA goes on to win it all. I particularly remember that tournament because Virginia, with not the greatest basketball history, save Ralph Sampson, uh, played well in that in that tournament. How they far were, did we get? Uh, lead eight. Um, four seed beat number one seed Kansas in Kansas City. Uh, went on to lose to Corliss Williamson in the Arkansas Razorbacks. And they ended up in the Final Four, yeah? In the final. Lost to UCLA. In yeah, that, that was game. one of the most memorable finals for me. Maybe it was because of the Virginia thing. And was our, it our age? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of like the birth of passion, for me at least, for the NCAA tournament. It was UCLA, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, and uh, the fourth that year. Carolina. Carolina. It was, a, it was just a cool – it just it just worked. They, they were big-time players. Big country was out there. Yeah. Um, Corliss. You know, you, you had the UCLA run with, with Tyus's shot. And the number 31, coincidentally, and Ed O'Bannon. Ed O'Bannon. Who took away NCAA football yep. video games from us. That's what you'll find out about Ed O'Bannon now is he's had um, – he's been going head-to-head with the video game industrial complex. Yep. Um. And then also Tyus Edney. It was one of those things where I'm like, this is one of those iconic moments. You mentioned it. I bet you any guy our age, when you say, hey, what's one of the most memorable shots or sequences, this is going to be in the top three for everybody. And for instance, and we can talk about the, the Villanova shot a couple years ago, it's massively more exciting and all that and, and, and meaningful, but this shot just sticks in your memory because of the time it happened. If you're 30-something, you remember this. I do remember, and by the way, Ty Zedney just started coaching at UCLA again. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was kind of like, where is he now? Um, and by the way, these guys are old as shit now. Yeah. Make you feel pretty old. Yep. Um, I think he's almost 50. I want to say he's 47, Ty Zedney. So these guys are all almost 50 years old. The Missouri uniforms were abhorrent. Hmm. Did you notice that looking back at it? No, I didn't look back at it again. Head oh. pictures. Go back in your head pictures and look at those Mizzou unis. Uh, they deserve what they got. I'm seeing... Uh, oh, boy. The mm -hmm. big M in different color <coughs> and font. Terrible. Than the Azura. Terrible. Big numbers. Yeah, those are rough. Now... Game winners, you can't say, and we can go back and forth here, you, you can't say Tyus Edney and, and go down this list of game winners without mentioning the Valpo shot. That's the, the promotional NCAA shot. That's true, yep. Do you think it deserves to be the promotional shot? Is there a better, more iconic, you know, shot that, that you know, like a championship game shot, like uh, the Nova shot, that's Whoa. a huge stage. It's two blue bloods. You know, the Valpo shot, it shows that anybody can do anything at any time right. in March. Yeah. Uh, the Leitner shot came in the tournament against Kentucky. Yeah, but it's Duke. Right. No, I'm agreeing with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think. By the way, Leitner looked like Joe Burrow. Mm, That's my lukewarm take here. Okay. Um, I went back and looked at that shot too, and he really looked a lot like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow now is the doppelganger for eight people. Right. Our account, right? I Tim Robbins, Christian Laidner, Andy Dufresne. That's Tim Robbins. <laughs> oh, I wasn't really yeah, listening yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that shit happens. Yeah. Now you know how I feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
I don't. I feel like uh, we cannot see the forest for the trees. I think that's the second time I've said that in this pod. As Virginia fans, I also feel like Virginia gets a fair amount of hate just because we we have low possession ball games. Um, but that Kihei Clark to Mamadi Diakite oh. wasn't a game winner. Send it to overtime in the Elite Eight. Um, but the Chalmer shot. I mean, we talk about the Chalmer shot like it was a game winner. And ten years, twelve years later, it was 08. And that was the Derrick Rose. He missed one of two. And uh, Kansas gets the ball back, sinks the three. Go to, that's an overtime forcing shot. Mm-hmm. I think the Kihei pass to Diakite, the pass just as much as... Mm-hmm. I mean, the pass was like shot out of a cannon. Yep. Um, I, I, I was courtside for that ball game. Yeah. Uh, because I was working, not because I, I have that sort of juice. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no cheering on press row. Uh, the Mamadi shot goes in, and I jump up out of my chair. Chair falls down. Stop. And somebody from the NC2A starts walking over, and I'm like, oh, golly. And he, my backpack was on the back of my chair. He puts the chair back up, puts the backpack back on the chair, and gives me a pound and says, go get him. As no in, way. Go win this ball game. No way. Time. Yeah, very cool. I thought I was going to get ejected from press row before my club marches on to the final four i was in vegas and you know to this we're like a a ping pong or not a ping pong ball what the what the fuck is the thing that uh pinball that's how my brain feels right now going through this there's so many great memories but stopping for a minute and talking about that run because you know we obviously had the umbc yeah thing historic moment and people won't let that go even after we won a national championship a fucking year later that's fine that's fine. We have a national championship. It makes the story. So it makes much the better. story way cooler. Not for you know some of the guys that were on that team. Devin I mean, Hall, Isaiah yeah. Wilkins. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll always remember. I think it was Isaiah Wilkins. Right after that loss, they just zoomed in on him, and I was like, "You just never get that back." And that's that's the danger of being a one seed. I mean, I had watched for decades praying to see in my lifetime a 16-1. Yep. Am I right? Yeah. And to sit there at a wedding that was all Maryland people. Ugh. It was all Baltimore people. They showed up to the wedding, and it was a St. Paddy's Day wedding. So first, okay, weddings are just fine, but if it's St. Paddy's Day, you're taking away St. Paddy's Day. And then you fill the wedding with Baltimore people. They all show up in their brown sweatshirts, with their fucking retrievers. And they're like, hey, big game tomorrow, huh? And it's like, they're joking because they know they're not going to win. They're just joking. Yeah. Then to sit in that Irish bar about 11 Guinnesses deep in the second half, just waiting for us to turn the corner and we never do it. I have never felt so dejected as a sports fan in my life. That is one moment I'll never forget where I was. And then if you give me um, a snapshot of each round of the next year. And by the way, 16 seed. Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb was beating us by 10 points. 14. 14 in the first half. I am pacing around the kitchen like Big, a madman. Largest deficit of the season at that point for that team. Insane. And then we play Oklahoma, and it's kind of sloppy. The Oregon game was really rough. That was a vintage. Rock fight. Yeah, I mean, it was just... The little kid with the uh, with the point guard with the fade, 
uh, that was hitting all the threes, a little white kid. Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, Peyton Pritchard. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Out of respectfully, fuck that guy. Because yeah. he almost killed us. Amin, the guy who fell down when stared at by yes. Mama Diakite without contact. Brutal. Yeah. I'm in a, okay, so there I'm in a, uh, okay, round one, I'm at the house pacing around. Round two, I'm at the bar. I have to get drunk to watch him play Oklahoma because I'm just a mess. We're at Fitzroy. Bad, bad, shout out to Bad Back Backy. Then I go to Vegas. I see Oregon, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we're probably, this is it for us, this win. And, I mean, next, next round, we got to play Purdue and Carson Edwards, and he is hot. In Louisville, which <coughs> some folks don't know, is five minutes away from West Lafayette, Indiana. Yes, some seemingly. people do not know that. Yeah. I, and I didn't know that before the... His geography's hard. It was it was 80, 20 Purdue fans, and it was loud. And he was banking threes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, he scored like 40 on us. We needed all that to happen. Then the next round is Auburn. I'm at the 40-40 club for a bachelor party. <laughs> By the way, a, a, a UVA teammate had his bachelor party during UVA yeah. at the Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, bro. Sorry about the cough. Yeah, that's Chris coughing. There's nothing going on with me. Um, this is not accompanied by a fever. None of that. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, I'm in Vegas for that. I can remember, you know, the Purdue game. No, Purdue, I'm in Vegas. I can remember chugging like three airplane bottles alone in the room. I had to leave, I had to leave the, the book. I was too nervous because the end of that game was nerve-wracking. Get up to the room, celebration, and then, of course, the culmination was Texas Tech, uh, and we were there. We were. That was... Uh, Another big shot, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter shot, yeah. I mean, like that, I feel like people aren't going to talk about that shot. Kyle Guy, huge three before getting fouled. Three free throws against yep. Auburn. Yep. But because, Vir because Virginia, we're yeah. not going to show up on the highlight reel. Right. Uh, the one shining moment montage. And that's okay. That's okay. But that, that Nova UNC shot was perfect. I mean, mm -hmm. it was, you know, it's 4.7 4 seconds to go. And I know the Valpo shot's amazing, but the stakes are lower. And the, the thing about the Valpo shot was the pass. I mean, there was both passes. Yep. I mean, people forget there were two passes. Yeah. It's like a hook and ladder. Hook and ladder. Um, but the Nova shot, just to get it down there, and Jenkins... Like everything about that from his celebration, go watch him celebrate. I was looking at this last night. His feet don't leave the ground after he, he lands and it's like perfect big guy celebration. He just doesn't move. Jay Wright doesn't move. If you look at him on the sideline, it's like he never doubted it. And uh, you had the big guy celebration. You had Jaden, the court storm. Like who, who called that game? Do you remember? Wouldn't it have been Nance? Was it Nance? Probably Nance. Uh, how do you call something like that? Like, what do you do? Oh, well, you let it breathe. You let it breathe. Yeah, which Joe Buck does a great job of. Yep. Jenkins, um, and then uh, and then you got Jesperson, the Northern Iowa shot to beat Texas. Who's? Yep. And then the shot of all shots, right? NC State is that the uh, the pass, the lob? What do they call the that? The air ball. The air ball. Yeah, Lorenzo Charles. So a few things about that. And if you look back, what year is that? 83 or yep. 83? Why did every NCAA basketball player in the 80s have the same celebration for a game-winning shot? It was really stiff legs, hopping off the ground like six inches with the elbows like 
extended to the point that the they look awkward and that the it's like two bald fists in the air wrists are extended you know the short shorts they just look awkward as fuck everybody had that same go back in the 80s and look at all the celebrations of iconic shots everybody's doing that just hopping around yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a fist guy they weren't fist guys well they it was like the weakest yeah that's weird it's really weak but go, go back and look um and then uh and everybody looked 40 all the college players looked 40 they looked old as fuck in the 80s Another thing I noticed about that shot was there was a white guy on the wing <laughs> that was wide open. Mm. Buddy took the shot with five seconds to go. Mm. It was like one of the most ill-advised shots I've ever seen. Wow, that gets lost in the shuffle. Five seconds. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so we did Tyus. We talked about Tyus Edney, Valpo, Nova, you know, Jesperson. You've got Leitner, but everybody talks about the Leitner shots. And there were two Leitner shots. It wasn't just the iconic one. I think he made one the year before. <coughs> State was a six seed in 83. Virginia currently a six seed in my S curve. I feel good about that. And then here's another one, the, the Michigan stuff. I went back and looked at the Michigan stuff. Michigan has had some pretty controversial finishes, and this is where the Carlissimo thing comes up again. <coughs> P.J. Carlissimo was a Seton Hall coach in 89. Mm-hmm. That was the game with the bogus foul call. Rumiel Robinson. Yep. Was it a foul? I don't. I'm going to have to go back and look at the tape, Chris. I don't think it was. If I can be honest with you. But PJ kept his cool. I mean, it was remarkable. When you go back and look at the old copy of that, of that on YouTube or whatever, um, PJ kept his cool to the max. Um, I, I gained a lot of respect for PJ in that situation. Just looking at his body language. First off, I had no idea he coached at, at uh, Seton Hall. Did you know that? Yes. I, uh, I'm not a basketball historian. Uh, and then there was the Chris Weber, obvious. Here's the, <coughs> here's the question I would pose. You okay with that cough? Yeah, I'm fine. It's called, it's called an allergy. Hmm. To what? <coughs> shag. Shagweed? No, I was talking about the chairs. No, no. <laughs> Ragweed, shagweed. Uh. Um. No, no, it's not the chairs, bro. We've been in here months. Um, Chris Weber, obviously the timeout happened, but there was the walk, dude. I really think the more I go back and look at that thing, and I know this isn't a hot take. There's other people that probably have thought this as well, that he doesn't call that timeout if he hasn't been, if he didn't fluster himself by almost walking, actually walking. I mean, they missed the they missed the travel. I completely agree with you. Do you think that he? Do you think that his head was fucked up from that? I'm looking at this for Meal Robinson foul call. You're you're exactly right. Oh yeah, yeah, that's not a, a foul. That's a tough whistle. That's a terrible whistle. It's three seconds left in the game. I mean, Weber says, and most most of his teammates say there was an assistant on the sideline saying timeout, 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 call timeout. That's uh, fine. I believe that, but I also don't believe. That. I think he would have his faculties a lot more about him if he if he didn't just in his head he's thinking, oh my god, I just walked. Yep. Like I just traveled. Like, and as an athlete, when you do something stupid, the next 10 seconds, it's like a fog. It's like a fog of war. And I don't think his head was all there when he got in the corner and he called that timeout. I don't care if there was somebody on the sideline. I haven't watched any of the 30 for 30s on it. Um, mm, the walk. The walk is so bad, too. It's so bad. Have you looked at the walk lately? All you ever look at is the timeout. It's a, it's a huge step and then about a three-foot drag. It's a drag. Yeah. Toe drag. Yep. 
and the Carolina bench goes crazy. Like he's Santonio Holmes in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I yep. mean, another another moment for me was the the Prince presser, the the Baylor kid. How so, does Yale out rebound Baylor? Um, you go up and grab the ball off the rim when it comes off, and then you grab it with two hands, and you come down with it, and that's considered a rebound. So they got more of those than we did. So they got more of those than we did. Amazing. Of all the moments on the court, uh, I mean, this is just as cool, and it happened off it. And by the way, when I was in Brooklyn and was sitting courtside for Waterboys, and we talked about this on the pod, he plays for the Nets now, or at least he did in the fall. I, I don't keep up with the Nets. They fired their coach. Yeah, good coach. Off, <coughs> off. Oh, golly. Fuck, I, you know, I don't want to make any jokes. Um, I, I really wanted to come up to him and be like, yo, that press conference was awesome. But I didn't know if it was one of those things where, you know, he probably gets that a lot and it probably wasn't the best day of his life. So he might not find it as funny as we do. Yeah, I think he would. Just a hunch. That is amazing. Ty Jerome, after losing to UMBC, was asked if he was aware that no 16 had ever beaten a one. And what he say? Um, I think he was silent for about four to five seconds. Eight to, t- eight to ten, maybe. Yeah, yeah, just to be like, you're, that, that, that was the question. And um, he confirmed that indeed. They were aware of that. Some reporters just want to catch an 18-year-old kid at their worst moment and make it worse. I mean, I get it that you're doing your job. But just like you walked into that, how does Yale out-rebound Baylor? Yeah. What do you mean how? I mean, unless you're going to, if you're going to list some factor for why you would think it'd be unlikely, insert that into the question. Uh, I know Yale's a bunch of white guys, but it happens. Um, the Darvin Ham dunk. Mm, broke it. Broke it. So cool to me as, a, as a child. I don't know what yeah. year that was. I remember that Happened too. against UNC, which made it extra cool. I want to say it was like 96. Seven. I want to say it happened in in the Commonwealth, but that might be wrong. Um, well, it certainly happened at some point. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's undeniable. He was drafted in '96, so before then. Yeah, before then, and then beyond that, um, Virginia teams. A lot of lot of cool moments. You know, you had George Mason in '06. That was as wild as any improbable run that I've seen, including Loyola. I mean, Loyola, that run very recently was really cool, but um, you had George Mason, you had VCU in 2011, they were the playing game, and then they beat Kansas, Shaka Smart, Final Four. Yep. Yep. Uh, So there's two Virginia teams there, and then Hampton, 2001, Boise. Game winner. Uh, Not a buzzer beater, because Tyus Edney, not Tyus Edney. Um, who the fuck? Who the fuck did I say? Tinsley. Jamal Tinsley. Jamal Tinsley. Uh, came down the court and missed the layup. I don't know why they pushed the ball. If you go back and look at that, I do not know why up one they pushed the ball down the court 36 seconds to go and forced a shot that allowed them to yield the go-ahead bucket to Hampton. But everybody remembers that highlight. Some people might not remember who it is. It's that little coach getting picked up from behind yeah. and his legs in the air. And, I think his name was Steve. <clears throat> Steve. Well, he has a name. I don't mean to be disrespectful. But if you look back at that game, I do miss, and that was in Boise. It was easy to see with the court. I miss the courts that were like they had their own design. 
Right. They weren't absorbed by the corporate. NC2A. The sterile setup. Um, and we're having our selection Sunday uh, watch party that we've negotiated with our lovely wives mm. for this Sunday. Yep. Get used to it. You got to get permission for some things now. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I kind of want to watch that show by myself. I didn't, I didn't really have the fortitude to tell you uh, on my wedding night. What are you, nervous? I just like it's it's really a fun thing for me, my favorite thing. I like to kind of be by myself and see it. That's a fucking weird thing to we say. We can talk you about know? it. it yeah, not, let's talk about it all yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's make a make a run at it. We gotta get to the NFL. Let's finish the show with a with a with a blitz. Hut hut. The Los Angeles Rams have a new logo. Hut hut. Um <clears throat> gosh. I, I went a little hard on this logo on Twitter. Actually, uh, I did that at your wedding. As you rightfully said, the hat, the logo on the hat is a bad look. <clears throat> and I just want to clear this up because I was, I was, I was tough on the logo. I said, that, uh, I said that everyone who nodded their heads in approval in the focus group uh, that selected this logo should board a spaceship for the planet that made Matthew McConaughey's friends old. Do you get the <laughs> reference? Um, no. Uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. Oh, great wow. movie. Complete guess. I want to downgrade that burn to they could just load it to the moon and just stay in a lunar complex forever. It's not a it's not the worst logo I've ever seen. It looked bad on that shitty hat that looked like it had just been mangled and stepped on by my three year old. He's four now. Um <clears throat> and is it also possible that they're just this is a float, they're gonna Look at the backlash. It, this can't be. Yeah, it, it. I, I like your angle here. I refuse to believe that a team with such a clean uniform, mm. L.A. Rams uniform, is as good as any football uniform in sports. Mm-hmm. And I said this when I used to put that uniform on, I felt like Jack Youngblood for a second. Okay, and if they change that jersey, it's an abomination. That this would be the definition of. Break, you know, fixing it if it's not broken. Um, this is the furthest thing from broken in pro football. The only thing I would change. Well, you got to change the colors. I would match the blues on the helmet. I agree. And the jerseys. That's yep. it. That's it. Put the jersey from the blue onto the hat. Yes. Yep. Uh, now they started looking really wacky when they would mix like the navy, the St. Louis Rams unis, which were Ugh. very bad. Um, NFL, some weird <laughs> rules there. Weird rules. Just fix it. Yeah. Bureaucratic Better Business Bureau bullshit. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking at this thing. It looks like detergent. It looks like yeah the Chargers. This is Macon's logo. We we decided we would mock up and give it our best shot. So this is if you open your Word document, um, and type in the letters L A and then put them into the font American Typewriter, size 100, and bold it size 100 in the uh, Rams blue ish. Yeah. That's what you get. And I think it's fire. Why do you think it's fire? Kind of, I don't know. Um, did you see it? I saw it, and I did not. Okay, you know how the Dodgers is just an L and an A. You know, it might look better. It might look better on. It looked bad because you took a picture of your computer. That's correct. And that's what people on YouTube are seeing. Yes. 
That looks good. <clears throat> I think it's an improvement on their logo right now. Less is more. My theory is, mind you, it's just a logo. It might they might not be changing the uniforms. Right. <clears throat> Rams, in general, tough. Colorado State has struggled. Rhode Island has struggled because you just you go to the horns and that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, you can't put that on a sweatshirt. Right. Although it would be tight. Now hear me out on this, Rams. On all your hooded sweatshirts, that's what kids are buying these days. Hooded sweatshirts. Yeah. Just. Put a ram horn on the side of the, the hoodie. That would be so fucking cool. Just do that. Also, pick a logo that doesn't look like it's the Chargers. Right. And forget the ram for the purpose of the logo. Just or BLA. Don't. Or don't. Okay. Because I, with no graphic design background, just came up with... <laughs> you could fool me. Look at that. <laughs> So, so on here, YouTube, that is a ram mounting the letter A. So next I, to the letter L. I think the the, the letters L A are so cool when they're next to each other. <laughs> Dodgers and all that shit. What? Now people here are gonna be they're gonna be roasting me. But mind you, I didn't even go to school for this. So maybe you're giving me a seven out of ten here. I mean, maybe he's kind of like perched. Is the A like a mountain? Like he's on a, a rock surface or yeah, something? Yeah. Here, I couldn't do it artistically, but. For people who are listening, not it's a good ram. Yeah, for people who are you well, yeah, that wasn't a bad ram. For people who are listening, not seeing this, pop over to YouTube or try to. I'll try to paint this picture in your mind's eye. Big L, <laughs> little A resting on the L, and then an outline of a ram, strictly the shadow of a ram. Like I don't want a detailed ram. I don't want the ram from St. Louis. I really don't want that one either. I want an outline of a ram and the front leg of a ram and kind of his armpit, so to speak. You could make an A with that mm -hmm. and just kind of just rest that A right under in the crease of that ram's arm. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that would go hard. Now, the ram could also be perched on the A, not humping the, the A, as you put it. I said, it. I said it was mounting it. Mounting it, humping it. Well, you said before the show that... It, in so many words that the ram was fucking the A. Uh, yeah, in, in different words. Yeah, in different words. You, you don't cuss. You sent me this logo, and uh, I responded, uh, all caps, L-M-F-A-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-
thinking what, of shit. What do you think the trenches sound like? They don't sound like that. I've been to the trenches. Oh, you were just you were just running around. Silent bodies, yeah. Silent. Yep. Uh, Marshall Yonda, one of the best football players I've ever seen, happens to be a guard from a cornfield, so not the most marketable, um, but was an absolute fixture in uh, in in Baltimore, and a guy that you know he played 13 years there, 166 starts, eight-time Pro Bowl, two-time first-team All-Pro. He played all up and down the line. It was funny when I talked to Rob Ninkovich about the toughest tackles he ever played. And if you talk to a lot of edge rushers, sometimes the most unorthodox that, uh, that, that turn out to be the toughest. But when I asked Ninko who stood out, he was like, you know what? I struggle with Marshall Yonda. You know, somebody would get hurt and usually you're sitting there in the meeting like, damn, I'm bummed somebody got hurt, but I get to see the backup. Then you get this Hall of Fame guard that moves out there and he, he kind of sets like a troll he absorbs your 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 punch. He's not a long arm guy. He kind of he's got good placement, and you can't get off him. He's sticky. The thing about him, whether it was a tackle or a guard, where he played most of his snaps, uh, you know, he only had four holding penalties the last ninety four games. The guy had vice grips, so he never had to get his hands outside of the frame of your body. You could never get rid of him. He would play through the echo of the whistle. He wouldn't hold you by definition, or by the NFL's definition. I will say that uh, taking nothing away from Marshall Yandi, he, he would hold like anybody else, but he had that grip and the body positioning to never make it obvious, and uh, he just didn't let go. And he was the guy that he wasn't a dirty player. He played his ass off, and, uh, and he would play through, like I said, the echo of the whistle. If you played the Ravens, you would always get that last little nudge or shove around the pile, and you turn around, You'd be like, what the fuck? Like you go to talk shit to this guy. And his his facial expression was, I'm not gonna, I'm not going back and forth with you on this. Uh, I'm just doing my job and the next play I'll be pushing you over the pile again. And I'm not gonna get into a back and forth over it. Um, and that was more annoying than the guy that would talk shit or uh or gloat after a big play. He was like a robot, like a a football machine bred in a cornfield that just was born to be a pest, like a magnificent pest, physical, tough, uh, relentless, and somebody who I have a great, great deal of respect for. Congrats on a great career, Hall of Famer, hopefully first ballot. Coronavirus and the NFL draft. Snap back, ball down, kick up. It's good. That's not, <laughs> not a, little, a, it's a little sound. We're going to have to put another sound. That's uh, a sounder. Um, Hold up. Uh, there you go. Coronavirus in the draft. Okay, so there's some speculation mounting, you know, amid the obvious concerns of a pandemic, which is what we're approaching. I don't know if we've crossed that threshold yet. Is it a pandemic? I think so. By definition? Yeah. Um, things are starting to get canceled, right? So like Santa Clara just banned gatherings of a thousand people for right now. That's going to affect the sharks and the earthquakes. Okay. The Ivy League canceled their tournament. Boston, the St. Paddy's Day Parade, it's not really a sport unless you consider drinking a sport. Uh, that's canceled. Um, South by South Wheezy. <laughs> South by Southwest, um, which is, you know, it's not a sport, but it's kind of a contest of who can be the most chill and cool. That's right. Um, nobody's being chill or cool there because it's canceled. Uh, Boston's going to have a marathon soon. 
well, they'll have to they'll have to make a decision on that. The New York City Marathon is is still on at this point. Indian Wells, the tennis thing, uh, they call it the fifth slam. I don't know about tennis. I just read about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, how'd I do? Big time tourney. Did Big time tourney. Yep. It's only a couple hours away from Vegas. It just got canceled last minute. I mean, there were players on the ground when they made the call uh, because there were some cases uh, in, in the region. You know, the draft is scheduled for the 23rd through the 25th. <coughs> You're expecting 600,000 people to come in and out of uh, Vegas, okay? And the NFL, per Goodell, is going to continue uh, as planned until they hear otherwise from the WHO, as they call it, the CDC. CDC. My throat is dry. <coughs> You're. Mm. <coughs> it's just fucking allergies, dude. Where's the. Uh, here, here we go. We're starting a bad rumor here. I mean, no, I don't want to drink after you. Matter of fact, Coach Wookie, who has the flu A, who got tested for coronavirus today, who literally tried to go get tested, shook your hand this weekend with flu A. Yeah, Jones Arena. Friend of the program. Might have to temporarily suspend him for carrying flu A recklessly. Where did you see him this weekend? Jones, Jones Arena, Virginia and Louisville. You know, it's funny. Who's because, beat the cards? Because of the coronavirus, those, <coughs> I mean, this is fucked up. <coughs> oh man, cough is dry, um, but I got no fever. So, and I feel great, by the way. Good. Probably allergies. Pleasure being three feet from you. Ragweed is tough this time of year. Yeah. I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to go with that. Like anytime I cough, I'm going to have to <laughs> ragweed. Like just in person, like on if I'm on the bus or something. Or Are you getting elbows from people? <clears throat> no, not yet. Elbow. I've gotten elbows in real life. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, I haven't offered any elbows. I think we're getting there. But long story short, with, with Wookie, who you saw this weekend, yeah, he got cheap tickets to that game because of coronavirus, and you guys rubbed elbows. He has flu A, FYI. Cheap tickets. He was in the front row. Evidently, they were relatively cheap. I don't know. They're, it was like steel. It was like getting a flight to Italy right now. Gym was packed. So, uh, WHO, CDC, Duke Infection Control Outreach Network. That's uh, you know that's in Roger Goodell's arsenal as far as getting uh, advice on whether or not they should handle uh, the draft differently. They might move it to a studio. I don't know if we'll get the, the, the whole Venetian vibe with the boats and stuff. Uh, I wouldn't put the, the guy from Louisville on a boat. Becton, Papa, Papa John. Mackay Becton. Schnatter. Yeah, Mackay Would, Becton. Wouldn't do it. Um, but I think the fear here is precedent. So, like, they could easily do this and absorb that loss. Like, this isn't a big deal to them at all. I think the problem is now, if you cancel or alter the draft, what you're saying is that you take it seriously to the point where, and I think they take it seriously, but that this is a course of action they're taking. And then if this thing continues on, on, on the course it's, it's, it's continued on the past couple weeks uh, and it gets more serious uh, or you know, maybe levels out like you've seen in China or, you know, some of these other places right now that people are saying like, okay, it's, uh, it's getting a little bit better. Then come fall, when you have to start canceling games, there's a precedent for that. So I don't think they want to put themselves in a pickle, so to speak. They cancel the draft. 
then it's going to be what's next. I think it's one of those things, honestly. Right, and it's set for <laughs> April 23rd, as you said. I mean, we're going to see a still, lot more still stuff time. in still the next time. six weeks, namely the NCAA tournament. Still time to diagnose. And I don't think I feel any bad for anybody who's like, I've been planning on going to the draft in Vegas for six weeks. Yeah, like I, I feel worse when you, you shut season ticket, you know, people out uh, who can't see, you know, their favorite team play week one. Well, so, in big picture, let's just try to control this literal pandemic. Yes, we're going to need to make a sacrifice. We are, too. and the draft might be one, but I don't think the NFL wants to make that sacrifice just yet because they're really backing themselves in the corner as far as what they have to do the rest of the fall. So, or not the rest of the fall when the fall comes over the summer. Stay tuned. We'll be back with you at the very least next week uh, for another Green Light Pod. At that point, we will have our brackets. Um, mm. Stay tuned for more content late in the week, though, as well. Sorry for Chris's coughing. Uh, we appreciate your empathy on that front. Yeah, please don't tell anybody I have that. Just don't do that. It's ragweed. It's ragweed. It happens every year to me. All right, y'all take care. <laughs>